As we were working our way out of the crew warehouse, we came across the guard's locker room, where formal tuxedos had been laid out for men who no longer needed them. There were also strange, porcelain masks that I glimpsed for the first time more than three months ago in Jackson Square. We figured this was the required dress at this evening's big bash in the Superdome, Stenwell's procession to godhood or whatever. So we picked stuff the fittest so as not to stand out. The others immediately dressed. I just picked up the tux. My feeling was that to walk through the city, all hoity-toity, was an invitation for every lunatic, and right now we had to assume that covered everybody, to attack us in the name of class warfare. Wilmot and Frost obviously had good cause. They showered, ditched their soiled clothing, and got changed. We might have been able to shoot our way out through the crowd, but ultimately, these were ordinary citizens, caught up in something they could not even begin to comprehend. So we hightailed it out the back, to the docks behind the airport, in search of waterborne transportation. Chief can drive a boat, and we could use it to get to the heart of the city, without having to wade through riding bedlam. We were in luck. There was a slick speedboat there, and we were soon on the water and hauling ass. Three guys in tuxedos, one guy in FBI tactical fatigues, and a Xena warrior princess impersonator who's six foot eight, with a leather skirt and a modern artwork for a face. An NOPD river patrol just watched us plow past them. Yep, there were some advantages to all of New Orleans being out of its mind. I guess that wasn't the weirdest thing they'd seen that day. The boat seemed like a good idea at the time, but the minute we headed into the lake, many typhoons formed in the mist and rushed for us. Chief ran the boat aground before we got sunk by the docks of the lakefront shore. Here we encountered some twitchy customs agents hunkered down and holding a perimeter. We played a little game with them about who could shout federal agent at each other the loudest. Chief managed to calm things down and get them to call Lansdale. Not at that moment we had any idea if Lansdale was even still alive. But he was, and then things accelerated. The custom agents offered us their car. They confirmed to us that everything was going to shit in the Big Easy. All law enforcement had its hands full, and the governor had even mobilized the National Guard. From our side, the news was worse in ways. Lansdale had no news from Acel nor of any other of the Green Greeks. He had withdrawn operations from New Orleans and was now set up in Baton Rouge. He told me that in Brooks's opinion, the advent of the King in Yellow would devastate New Orleans, but would not be the literal end of the world. He offered us the chance to bail. We refused. He then mentioned that Chance was dug in with the Brits near Spanish Fort. They'd been keeping an eye on the house on Domain Street, which contained an access to the interdimensional maze works, but they'd been forced to withdraw. The other Brits were still at Black Lake, where they'd been camped out for weeks now. Nick the Fixer and his minder were in Baton Rouge with Lansdale. He was not at the event as he was supposed to be, because there was no event now taking place at the Superdome, we got everyone on a conference call and tried to figure out what to do. Chance offered us a sprinkle of hope. According to my favorite mystic, the event was still going on, but it had been moved, and she knew where it was, and that Devereaux was going to attend with her father's invitation. Devereaux had been incommunicado for hours, 
but Tabitha had been with her. Tabitha and Chance share a bond, and Chance might be able to contact her through non-conventional channels. We reached Spanish Fort, where we had, only a few months ago, brought Tabitha back from the depths of space and time. The game was far from over.